Welcome to Talkitation, talk meditation, mind expanding, life hacking, heart centered talks from a variety of humans bent on changing the world for the better, one small step or one giant leap at a time. With host Misha Fayant, an abuse and trauma survivor who rose above the physical, mental, and emotional damage to become a four time Masters World Champion, speaker, coach, author and healer. It's my mission to help heal the world one soul at a time. In today's episode, I delve into women's rights and gender dysphoria. I invite you to join me with an open mind as we delve into this very polarizing topic. So today I'm going to be talking a little bit about women's rights and gender dysphoria. And I think it's really important because this is a topic that it's a hot topic, it's polarizing, and it definitely affects women and more so my daughters and my granddaughters and the women to come after. And so as terrifying as it is to get on and talk about such a polarizing topic, I feel like I have to. I've not in my life been known to be an activist of of any kind. I stand up for what's right, yes, but as an activist, no. However, as an athlete, a grandmother, a mother, a woman, I cannot sit by anymore and not say something. So, I think it's important to go back and remember that women have only had rights in this nation in less than a hundred years. And it's only been in the last, what, just about 30 or 30 plus years that we've actually been being recognized as athletes and having our sports taken serious or even being allowed in some athletic competitions. The women before us fought hard for our rights, fought hard for us to have a place in in some of these events. And now with the gender dysphoria and more specifically transgenders being, and and I know I'm going to get some backlash for this because I see it all over the place and I don't understand what the problem is with defining what I'm talking about when I talk about transgenders. So the transgenders I'm talking about are people who are born male, but identify as female. So I'm gonna pull up some notes. I tried to have a ton of notes here just because I know that I'm gonna forget things uh, or I may even get something wrong. So before I get started too much, I also want to state that this little disclaimer, I'm not a physician, I'm not a psychologist, and I'm not a scientist. I love to study things, but I have no degree behind me in those things. I have the degree of being a woman and a master's world championship level athlete. And again, a grandmother, mother, And I just, I want to be clear too, before we get into this whole thing, this topic is not about bashing anyone. It's certainly about standing up for the rights of women. I do find it difficult to sit back when a group is identifying as female and demanding their rights be... uh, more important than women's rights. So I'm going to get into some of those things a little bit later on. But, you know, we do have laws, Title VII, Title IX, kind of define some of those things. I find it interesting that one of the debates, one of issues that they'll speak on is there's a difference between sex and gender. Sex being what biology states you are. So let me, I have a, 
um, from Medical News Today. In general terms, sex refers to the biological differences between males and females, such as genitalia and genetic differences, chromosomes being part of that. Gender is more difficult to define, but can refer to the role of male or female in society, known as a gender role, or an individual's concept of themselves or gender identity. So I think it's really important to identify that because there's a huge disparity between sex and gender. So yes, somebody can identify as a gender outside of their sex, but that doesn't make them that sex. So that's one of the arguments that we get is, is the, the gender versus sex identity thing. And yet, I would say that biology must rule out. Can I accept someone being a transgender, dressing, acting, playing roles in life that they want to play or live roles in life that they want to live? Yes, I definitely can accept that, have accepted it, have never been rude or mean to a transgender person, have been around many and will continue to be around many and treat them as human beings, treat them with respect like I would anyone else as long as they're treating me with respect. What I have difficulty with is that these transgenders who are identifying as female are not respecting a majority of females out there. There are terms such as, we're, I don't like to be labeled either, but we're being forced to call ourselves as cisgender women, meaning that we're biologically born women and we identify as women. I'm a woman. I'm a woman through and through. One of the other terms that has come out recently is TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. And yeah, unfortunately, that's how some are going to be viewing me because I'm standing up for women's rights, because I've seen some of the other side of this whole argument and I, I do want to stop here and let's clarify that I am an empowerment coach. I deal with women who have been touched by sexual abuse, rape, and trauma from childhood on. And these are deep wounds in women. And these are not things that can just be brushed aside and said, I'm a man, but I identify as a woman and I want in all of your sacred and safe spaces and it should be allowed. So being a survivor of those things myself, it's a touchy subject for me. So it is. And as a woman's rights defender now at 55 and never being political in my life, I find it really important, especially for the women I coach, that we define these things, that we protect some of these rights that we are about to lose, not just in this nation, but across the world. Medical professionals have no clear explanation for gender dysphoria. Let me restate that. Medical professionals have no clear explanation for gender dysphoria. The diversity of gender pe transgender people and their backgrounds prevent any simple cause from being identified. Many experts believe that biological factors, gen genetic influences, prenatal hormone levels, and early experiences may all contribute to development of transgender identities, but there's no simple explanation. I think it's the WHO World Health Organization does not classify it as a psychological disorder or or dysphoria is the, the word they would like us to use. However, in some instances, myself would consider that some, it is a psychological dysphoria. There's a lot of pressure in the world. There's a lot of mirroring in the world that we don't understand. And if we are raised in a, a situation where we don't feel like we fit, it's, it's easier to maybe find a new identity. I've you know, it's not gender, but I'm, I'm, what I grew up with was being known as a half-breed, part Native and, and part white, and so not being accepted by white people, not being accepted by Native people, and, you know, I was both. And so I get 
also the uh, discrimination that can happen with identity. But it's definitely something we need to have more research on. It's definitely something that we need to take a look at. It's definitely not something that I want to discredit because I understand that there's deep depression and psychological uh, issue when someone is identifying as something and they're not accepted as that. And also there is, obviously there's uh, physical abuse towards transgenders, but now I see that in many reports that I've been researching through and, and just stumbling on over the past few months, transgenders, because of their perception that they're not being accepted, are lashing out against cisgendered women. Um, I saw a report where a, a transgender took a hammer to a woman. It, it's happening and it's not fair. So I'm saying on both sides of the street, if, if we want to be treated with respect, we have to act with respect. So there's all of that kind of a, a offshoot to what I, I want to talk about. I am going to talk a lot about uh, gender dysphoria or transgenderism in sports today because of my classification as an athlete. I've retired while I heal. I'm going to come back. But it's, it's concerning to me. And it's concerning to me because I see so many more cases of women and girls losing out on opportunities because they're competing against transgenders that were born as males in sports and I fear for our standing. What, one of the things that they talk about is, that the other side talks about is, that we're basing our male and female differences on fake science. I've heard time and again that it can't be proven that uh, male and female are any different. So th this is a, a generalized image, but it shows the differences between the makeup of male and female bodies in general. There's going to be a wide range of differences within male and female, but overall, again, I'm not the scientist. I will drop a bunch of links in the uh, comments or in the show notes after I'm done. One of the, the good ones that I really like to refer to is the USAPL discussion on transgender policies. Uh, Dr. Hunt brings up a lot of good science in there. But there is a difference in how a man forms and how a woman forms. And the fact that some want to call it fake science is beyond me. You, you know, there's how do you not understand the difference between male and female, the fact that females have wombs and ovaries and that we bear and produce children and we have a different bone structure, we have a different lung capacity, we have different muscular makeup due to these chromosomal and hormonal differences. Again, I'm not the scientist, so I would ask you to refer to the science that I will leave below back to the back to where I was so that whole fake science argument to me is unbearable and unthinkable and the science that they are quoting as I have researched and heard doctors speak on it is their uh, their the sections of, of research that they've done are very narrow and not very deep and there's all kinds of issues with their opposing science to our biological science that we're talking about. It's also interesting to me that over the past few months, um, just in random conversation, I've run into doctors and psychologists and locally here and had the conversation and said, hey, you know, this is where I stand and this is what I'm doing. And what are your thoughts? And I'm going to be really honest and say, I have not run into a doctor or a psychologist who would disagree with our stance that there is a difference. And, you know, Teresa just posted, and this is one of the questions I've had, if there's no difference between men and women, if there's no biological 
difference in an advantage, then why would you want to change? Why? It's the argument to me is it has so many holes and is so invalid. It just is holding on to something because that's what you believe in. I've been called a bigot because of my beliefs, because I hold to women's rights. And I don't believe that I'm a bigot. I really go out and research and try to, to look at the other point of view and and really broaden my knowledge. So, you know, some things I may say today in five years from now, I may look back and go, huh, that was kind of naive. And I maybe change my position. That's called growth. That's called being human. And I'll take that. Today, my stance is there's a huge difference between men and women. And just identifying as a woman is not enough. It's not enough. And it discredits the women who have been out there who live in a woman's body, who live with women's issues, who have fought hard for women's rights. It discredits all of that work that we've done to be where we are. I'm a little bit older and it still is, is kind of beyond me. I mean, I, I, I just don't, I don't understand how you can identify as a woman and then stomp on our heads so fervently for your rights. I don't understand that. So thank you, Teresa. Back to, so I'm going to go back to the, uh, I'm involved in a group called XX Fair Play Rights. The, it's not an, it, it's not a, it was called a club by someone. And I don't really believe it's a club. It's a movement. It's a movement for change. It's a movement for women to understand that now is the time to stand up. Now is the time to speak up because we are about to lose rights across the world as women in the face of this whole situation. So I'm going to bring up some specific uh, instances. And again, I'll drop links to, to everything that I can in the show notes when this is done. But just as some instances as to what's happening, I hear that, you know, there's no proof that transgenders are going to, uh, take over women's sports or that they're going to do better in women's sports than women. And I think as we filter on up the levels to the Olympic levels, it maybe hasn't shown yet because it hasn't been as prevalent yet, but it will. And let's be clear too that 0.6% of the world is transgender. So finding those athletes who want to stand up, who want to compete on a women's platform, who want to take it to an Olympic level, that's starting to grow. Where in the past, maybe there was some fear and I get the fear that they've had, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. So when we start out at local and high school levels, there was a transgender boy in 2017 who won so they, the title was transgender boy, and that's incorrect. It was transgender female, born male, identifying as female, who won the girls' wrestling title. Um, and of course it was, and that was in Texas, it was received with a mix of emotions because this is, is uh, biologically a boy who's competing against women who definitely has an advantage in leverages and strength and in bone structure, and yet is competing against young women. And to further that, just recently, the U.S. women's national team, oh, and I didn't get the, I, I believe it was soccer, yeah, scrimmaged a Dallas under 15 boy squad, and they were beaten. Our women's national team was beaten by a squad of 15-year-old boys. So we take the top athletes in the women's category or the biologically women's category and have them compete against 15-year-old boys, not even mature boys, not even boys at the same level as the women, and they were categorically beaten. That obviously shows an advantage obviously shows an advantage. Then we, we go to um, Laurel Hubbard. Do I have a photo? Well, let's talk about Mary 
first, Mary Gregory. So this is Mary Gregory. Mary Gregory is a power lifter, uh, again, a transgender male to female power lifter. And I'll take a lot of heat for saying that, for identifying as that. But there's been some uh, discord because she set all kinds of records in the women's category and in a different federation than I lived in, and then was later stripped of those when they did drug testing and found out that she's categorized biologically sex as male. And so there's a, a lot of articles on Mary and, and some of them for and some of them against. And, you know, one of the things was, where does it end? When does it stop? So these were some of the quotes. She's, I can't quit. She said, lifting is too important to me. My response is as if it's not important to all the women who are just wanting to compete on a platform fairly. And to me, again, it shows where these transgenders rights, needs, and wants seem to, to them mean more than the very gender they're claiming to identify with. My own opinion, I find it sad and selfish that you would have that comment. You know, biology is biology, and you, my dear, are born a male identifying as a female. Should we accept you as, and call you Mary as that's what you want to be called? I'm fine with that. But do not stomp on women's rights by demanding to compete on a platform with them when it's unfair for you to do so. I'm going to bring up something I didn't put in my notes, but I really want to bring it up right now before I delve into all of the rest of this. So as far as what I will call the pride community, because there are so many letters that I never get them all in and someone is offended that I didn't get them all in. But in the pride community, there's a sporting event called the Gay Games. And even in the Gay Games, they have created a separate category for transgenders. So there's male, there's female, and there's transgender within the gay games. And that is seemingly accepted because it's within their community. But when it's in the broader spectrum of the rest of the world, if we ask for the same thing and say, hmm, you know, we, we're not opposed to you competing. We're opposed to you competing unfairly against women. We're opposed to, you know, and we get that you don't want to compete against men because that's not where you identify. So let's take a look at creating a separate category. And then we're called, again, bigots for wanting to create that separate category. Yet within their own group, the pride community has created this category and it's been accepted there. So there's some discord with that that I find really hard to swallow also. So Teresa also commented here that it brought to mind an animation of a video by Led Zeppelin where men and women were all just walking in a zombie-like state into a huge meat grinder. And that, sadly, that's the reality of what's happening. You know, if we're, if we're saying that biology is fake science, if we're saying that there is no difference and we all should just be accepted as we are and and the rights of one gender against another mean nothing. That's, that's where we're headed. And I also, going back to why would you want to change, if there's no difference in, in gender or in, in sex in sports, biological sex, then what's the issue with competing in the men's category other than that you don't identify as a man? So if there's no advantage for you to, to, to compete as women and all you really want to do is compete, if that's your main goal, that's what really you're saying that, that is important to you is that you're allowed to compete, then fine. Compete in the category you were born in and go, and go there. That's, you know, we're not saying don't compete. We're saying stop stomping on women for you to have your rights. There are millions of us who have fought for our rights. And there's a couple others. So in high school, there's also the Selena Soul, and I, I have it as versus Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller, um, because in this particular instance, Selena is a track athlete 
who placed eighth in her state championships, missing out on some opportunity for higher level competition, missing out on some college scholarships and whatnot, because she was competing against Andrea, Andrea Yearwood and Terry Miller, who are again, transgender females, biologically male, identifying as female. And those two placed first and second in their state championships. It's just an indicator and it's just a start of what's happening. These are, these are just small samples of what's going on. I applaud Selena. She, at her young age, had more guts than most adult women are having and has filed suit against Connecticut for the discriminatory practice of allowing biological males to compete against females in their state. So you can find all kinds of information on Selena and, and these athletes all over the internet. It's uh, obviously a hot topic. It's I, I wish Selena the best. I support her in her fight because I think it's, and she's fighting not just for her rights, she's fighting for girls and women's rights across the board. And so I think that her battle, her fight is a very important fight that we should all be paying attention to right now. Then we go to Cece Telfer, who is a track athlete who just ran an NCAA track meet and won the NCAA women's title when just three years ago she ran NCAA track as a man. And so again, when they're saying there's no apparent advantage, some of these athletes, uh, Andrea and Terry, one of them was placed like 200th or somewhere in their, in their male category uh, just a year or two ago when they competed as a male, then identified as a female, came out in women's track and are dominating the field in women's track. So no advantage. I disagree completely with that. We also have in Montana, June Eastwood, who's a track athlete. In her first three years at the University of Montana, she competed on a men's team and is now competing on a women's team. And it looks like she'll be crushing the women's records as she transitions to the women's meet because she identifies as a female. So this one is not transgender. And this one, uh, I remember when Castor Simenia came out and the stories of her having to go through genetic uh, testing, it broke my heart back in the day. It really did. And, and I feel for her, uh, I also understand that in many ways she's being used as a pawn. She has said so herself in interviews that she's been used as a pawn. The interesting thing that people are not talking about with Castor is that she's not transgender. She's always been accepted as a female. However, now what's coming out in the face of all of these rulings for her having to reduce her testosterone that she's fighting against, what's coming out now is that she actually is an XY chromosome bio biology. So let's, let's recap. XX is a woman. XY is a man. Now there's all kinds of uh, dysphoria in there where maybe the testosterone isn't accepted as much as it should be. And so they don't develop in the way, the normal way most men would, or most women would. And so there's some difference there, but Castor does have internal testes. She does not have a womb. She does not have ovaries. She does not have a menstrual cycle. The biology, the physical biology of what has happened with her and how she was identified as a female in the first place has been very closed. And I understand that this is a very, I would not want to be in that position of having my sexuality scrutinized. However, scientifically, it points towards her being more male than female, and thus she's not running now.
she's actually transitioned into soccer because she is not allowed to compete in running without following some definitions. So let's go over that. Uh, again, not a scientist. I'm just quoting a lot of the stuff that I have read. So it's, and I may get some of the terminology wrong because I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but it's widely accepted that women, and even when I worked in a female hormonal clinic, it's widely accepted that women have a range of testosterone that can go up as high as five uh, nanograms per deciliter. Uh, the IOC, International Olympic Committee, in their rulings are wanting women to, or transgender athletes to reduce their testosterone levels to below 10, which is still double what most women have. Castor's testosterone levels are well above that even. So what they're asking her to do is reduce that testosterone level to below 10 because hers is obviously above that. So there's some definite advantages there. And it again confuses me as to uh, why there's such backlash about this. There's human rights, yes, yes, we all have human rights. But do your human rights um, overrule mine? I don't, I don't see it, especially when we're talking about biology. So again, those are a few of the instances. There are many. Oh, Laurel Hubbard. I don't have a picture of her here. I'm sorry, this was Castor. I didn't have her picture up. Um, and to me, visually, Castor presents very male. And that would be in line with all of those things that I cited, the absence of a womb, the absence of ovaries, high testosterone, internal testes. And this is not about bastardizing an athlete. So I'm going to hop off of there and just say that that point has been made. This is a group of athletes that the transgender uh, female boy to, to girl that won the world's state championship. Um, one of the two track athletes that I spoke about, uh, a cycling athlete who just won a world championship, who was born a male and is identifying as female. And then probably most notably is uh, Laurel Hubbard down here on the left-hand corner, who's compete competes for New Zealand in Olympic weightlifting. And uh, she continues to dominate the field in weightlifting. But again, born a man, identifies as a female. So I want to go over some of that really quickly. And again, the science is all over the internet. I'll post what I can here. But so let's, let's, let's take a look at the fact that there is all kinds of science that says men have a 40 to 60% advantage over women in strength sports and in many other sports like at track athletics, speed and whatnot, bigger lung capacity, different muscle structure, different bone structure, as I've stated. So when we take a, a transgender athlete and we put them on oestrogen to help them transition, to help soften that, that testosterone in their system, it only reduces that advantage by 10%. So now we're still looking at a 30 to 50% advantage over women in in their sport. So a year worth of transitioning and estrogen use doesn't equate to making them equal to a woman. Now science is always show, is also showing that even after, so they, they take the oestrogen for a year, the basically the maximum effect of the estrogen is going to be seen in that first year. The years after that, there's no scientific proof that the effect is 10% a year. It's just basically 10% and minuscule differences after that. So it doesn't really change the fact that they have an advantage. Now, yeah, there's a wide range of, of hormonal differences between us as females, but when we go back to biology, you know, and, and there's some outliers. I get that. So we end up with, with intersex people. We end up with, uh, people that we've widely accepted in, in one of the talks I just, I was floored that uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is an XY woman, but she has a uh, real, I'm searching for the word, 
but she has a blockage to her body uh, accepting testosterone. We've widely accepted her as a female, and, and I get, so there's those outliers, but it doesn't mean that in general that they don't have an advantage. So, you know, in support of it, I, I've listened to some talks on Fox News, on CNBC, and some other places where uh, one of the athletes who is actually um, bringing legal suit against the federation I compete in, USA Powerlifting, where they said that they actually find that a majority of people support transgenders competing against women. And there again, I would say they must have taken a look at a very small sampling because in my day-to-day -day life, I am exposed to a wide variety of people. Now, I, it's not like I try to shove this down people's throats, but it does come up in conversation. And I would say the vast majority of men and women that I've come across support women's rights in this case. They do not think it's fair for transgender athletes to compete against women in women's sports. And so uh, we have some pretty notable uh, instances. So the first one, and most people are, are familiar with this, Martina Navratilova. She spoke out saying that um, it's insane and cheating. And she had to soften her wording in that and apologize for it due to politics. I in my heart, believe that she still believes that. She's just had to change her wording because of, again, she was, by her own pride community, she was dis disavowed by them for saying what she said. So Martina, interestingly enough, was coached by Renee Richards, who is a transgender, and, tra and Renee competed in uh, tennis in her day. Renee has also spoken out to say that although she supports trans transgenders competing, she understands that had she competed even as a master's competitor, she had a direct advantage over the female competitors. And had she competed as an open competitor in her 20s and early 30s, there would have been no competition with the women she was competing against. So Martina being part of the pride community, her coach Renee being part of the community and a transgender have both spoken out to say that they understand that it would be unfair. We have a Samoan rugby player for a long time WASP player, Dan Leo, who's speaking out against transgenders competing as women because his sister missed out on playing in a volleyball team in Australia because she was beat out by a transgender athlete. So it's happening all over the place. And I get, I get the emotional need to identify. I get that, but it does not overrule biology. I can want to identify as a fairy sprite all day, all, all year. And God only knows I do want to, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm biologically not one. I know this is putting me in a huge hot seat, but somebody's got to speak up. So then Sharon Davies has recently spoken out to say that um, what her quote is, it will take female athletes being thrown under the bus in Tokyo 2020 before changes are made to transgender rules. Uh, and she also says the IOC is not interested in what athletes have to say. And I would agree. There's a political agenda behind a lot of this. One of my uh, athletic friends has stated the IOC is run by males. And uh, many of them really honestly could give a crap less about females athletics. Uh, and there's also a, a number of transgenders who were um, on the board that created those rules that everyone wants to so fervently speak about when they talk about why USAPL is so wrong, when even the IOC has certain 
uh, rules that they will allow transgenders to compete against women as. And I'm hoping that that will change. Uh, it needs to change. It's unfair and it's putting women at risk. And especially in some of the more aggressive team sports, when you start putting a biological male on the field with a female, the instances of injury are going to increase. In fact, was it a kickboxing where a transgender female broke the skull of a biological female in competition? There is a difference in strength and bone structure and it is putting us at risk more than just for our rights, but for our health. So I just, I, I have obviously have huge issue with this whole thing. Again, I'm not saying transgender shouldn't compete. I'm saying we have to find a better way for them to compete. And I don't think that creating their own category is out of the question. There are other, uh, so I'm start, gonna start getting into a few other more scientific things before this whole, I didn't think I'd fill up an hour and here we are. So even before birth, there are genetic building blocks that give athletes born male a massive advantage over female. Again, I'll drop links to those things in, in the notes below. But you know, it's generally accepted that when you have testes, a Y chromosome and testosterone, and you've had the advantage of going through puberty, you have that 40 to 60% advantage. So when you take someone who's 30 years old and, and now identifies or 40 years old and now identifies and has spent the majority of their life training and competing as a male and now wants to compete, identify and compete as a female, yes, there's an advantage to you. And how I, I, I'm beyond how they can say that there's not. I also know that there are many transgenders who understand that they do have a specific advantage and therefore refuse to compete. And I applaud you for that. I know as an athlete, I know how bad it hurts to not be able to compete and to not be able to do what you love to do. But I applaud you for being reasonable and understanding that you're competing against women would not be fair. And until we can find a better way, thank you for standing down. So it's not the entire transgender community. There are only a few in reality who are demanding these rights. There are many, many more who just won't compete. So I wanna give them that. From Tony George, headmaster at the King's School in Australia. Um, he says that uh, he doesn't agree with transgender male to female competing against women not because men are better or smarter, but because they're people who have a secret weapon, that Y chromosome, that gives them a natural source of steroids, testosterone. We're not being sexist and we're not, we're being chromosomist is his quote. So people will say there's no, no uh, proof that testosterone gives an advantage. And oh my gosh, I really face palm. How, Again, that's fake science, that testosterone gives you an advantage. It's fake science, but there's a reason that it's it's not allowed as a hormone in the IOC, in any drug-tested federation, that we strictly test for testosterone use. And yet the argument is that there's no advantage of having testosterone in your system, but there is. And yeah, Rebecca, I agree. I believe that the, the IOC doc is, is highly transgender and was focused. And I've just recently found that there were, that there were people on the panel who are transgender who pushed the wording and the, the whole organization of the, the IOC document and policy. So, um, Tony George goes on to say, while the use of steroids has been banned by the Olympics, which I just said, and in other professional sports, it's worth noting that people with Y chromosomes have a natural source of steroids, their testosterone. And again, when they go through puberty with it, wow, what a difference between a female who never had testes and testosterone through puberty. These people are commonly known as men, and they have much more testosterone than women, giving them a physiological advantage. 
So I'll post the, no the, the links to that entire article in my notes um, called Should Transgender Women Compete Alongside Cisgender Women in Sports? And actually, I'm not going to, we're running out of time. I will drop the link. It's from allaboutpowerlifting.com. It's a very well-written article. There's lots of citations as to the differences between the makeup of men and women. I mean, from height differences to structural differences, it's all documented in there. The advantage that a biological male has over a biological female. I will also put a link to the USA Powerlifting 2019 National Governing Body Transgender Policy Change Discussion by Dr. Chris Hunt. It's a very well thought out uh, and, and very well presented uh, discussion. I know that the transgender community has had some uh, issue with the fact that he, he does use the old name of some of the athletes and they call it dead naming and it's very serious to them and I understand that. However, honestly, a lot of the population doesn't understand all of these things and sometimes we do have to use terminology that will allow people to understand what it is we're talking about. So I'll drop those links below. I encourage you to watch those videos for the science. I know there's science on the other side. Again, when doctors have broken down these scientific studies from the other side that they're calling ours fake science based on, it's, it's just torn down all over the place. Um, Dr. Hunt brings some of that up in his discussion. Please watch it. Um, as far as USAPL, I, I'm an athlete. And I appreciate, highly appreciate our organization standing up for women's rights and standing up for us in our sport. You know, it, it's brought up in Dr. Hunt's presentation. I say it all the time. Other athletes are saying it as well. We're in a strictly drug tested sport. We are not allowed to use hormones or performance enhancing drugs or we're banned from competition. I myself was tested with a testosterone level of 0.016. I also have PCOS, so I have an abundance of progesterone. So the fact that I made it to the level that I made it at was sheer determination, but not a high testosterone level advantage. So if I can't take testosterone to even raise my level to what would be normal for my age and with all the physical implications that it has on me for not taking it. And I had to choose between my health and the sport I love. Why is it fair or, or men who are at my age who have dangerously low testosterone levels or younger men who have dangerously low testosterone levels, they're not allowed to supplement with testosterone to bring themselves within normal range or they lose their membership card. And yet transgenders are asking us to turn a blind eye for steroidal use for them. That's unfair. Not going to happen. And again, I applaud USAPL for taking their stand. There is a statement uh, by our president, Larry Maley. He says, I want to point out something that we've been deflect that has been deflected from by advocates of inclusion of transgenders. USA powerlifting is 100% in compliance with the IOC consensus document. The arguments they make that the IOC says you have to let people in if they meet the criteria. And they have yelled that from the rooftop so many times that we have accepted it. What the IOC consensus document also says is that the consensus statement does not limit individual sporting bodies from determining what constitutes fair play in their sport. We have done so. We are in compliance. What we are disagreeing with is on whether we are correct in, in determination, not whether it's our province to make it. The IOC stated clearly in writing that we can. And again, I, man, for all the men who stand behind us right now, for all the men who have watched our plight to have rights as women, much less as athletes, and who are standing up for us in this instance, I thank you. We need you just as much as we need every woman to speak out. I do want to go into some science. I, I mentioned it before that men do have proven that they have a 40 to 60% advantage over women in strength sports. 
Dr. Hunt talks about in the presentation, Laurel Hubbard and some interesting things with her and her strength, increases, decreases, etc. Go listen to that talk. I'll put the link in. So interestingly, because I'm not a scientist, I don't have all of these and I don't know how to read some of these papers and, and scientifically translate all of the lingo. But what I did is I'm a numbers person and I took just a short sampling of my age group and my weight class of men compared of the top men compared to the top women, a sampling of and compared their totals and our totals, men's totals and our totals in a sport that does not allow any sort of um, performance enhancing drug. And I had a result of about 60% advantage of these men over the same age and weight class women. Why it's being called fake science when there's so much data out there and so much available data out there that says that there is an advantage, I, I, it's, again, it's beyond me. And so in that instance, in my age class and weight class, if these men had taken estrogen for a year to reduce their testosterone levels, they would still have a 50% advantage over me in competition. So why are you claiming that there's no advantage? There, I mean, there are multiple articles. One says transgender athletes have intolerable advantage over real women. A new study affirms um, hormone therapy will not alter bone structure, lung volume, or heart size of a trans woman athlete, especially if she transitions post-puberty, which I talked about. So the natural advantages, including joint articulation, stroke volume, and maximal oxygen uptake will be maintained even if they do the oestrogen transition. So moving out of sports, because I've already taken up an hour, I just want to go over a couple of other concerns that I have with this whole inclusion thing. So I recently met, because of this is a topic for me that I'm really passionate about, I happened to run into a woman who used to work for a large bank, the bank being Wells Fargo. Now, she was a higher up in the company. She was a supervisor. She was in charge of training and employees and there was a transgender person in their office who they allowed to use the female restroom. Fine. But this transgender person would step out of the stall to tape and adjust their penis in full view of the women, the biological women there. A number of those women came forth and said, we're uncomfortable. Can you please talk to this person and ask them to adjust themselves in the privacy of the stall? This supervisor did just that. She didn't say you're not allowed to use the women's restroom. She didn't say we don't want you there. She didn't say you're banned from using the women's bathroom. She just simply said, hey, this is an uncomfortable situation. Please take care of your personal business in the privacy of the stall. You don't see women coming out and applying tampons or pads or whatever their personal situation happens to be out in the public of everyone else. Let's, let's just have um, some common courtesy. And then that woman who at the behest of her coworkers spoke to the transgender was targeted, was followed around with cameras, was called, uh, a, a bigot and she was eventually demoted and two years later having gone through such harassment from her own company eventually left a high paying job to take a job that paid maybe a third of what she was making because she simply asked a transgender in a female bathroom to not display their penis to other women i have issues with those Back to the sports, our agreed. What about our little girls? What about the girls coming up? They're going to be coming up in a whole different world than we came up in. We had a different battle. This battle to me is more unfathomable than the battle that women 
and above 40 have had to go through. And yes, girls sports are being actively dissolved at the local and state level because of the forced inclusion of transgenders in girls sports. So then I'll drop a link to this next one in the show notes also, but there was a woman's shelter in Canada. Now this woman's shelter was for women who had been marginalized, women who had been sex trafficked and raped and, and uh, had some real traumatic experience at the hands of biological males. There was a transgender who came and said she wanted to be allowed in the, the shelter and in good faith, thinking of the women that were in there because this transgender was still had all of her male parts intact. She was denied. That transgender got together with a bunch of um, other people and effectively ended up having funding for the shelter pulled and the, the, the shelter was eventually closed. And it was also vandalized and I'm gonna share this because I mentioned that before. So transgenders often will talk about the fact that they're marginalized, that they're targeted, and yet this, TERFs go home, you're not welcome, kill TERFs trans power. And you're talking about a women's shelter where these women have already been beaten, abused, raped, and some of them disfigured? And this is how you want to be included by placing these kind of notes on that shelter because they're continuing to want to protect women. These are some of the things that I have huge issue with. These are some of the things that I see as major problems. And again, when I started researching this post after post of of women being attacked by trans women, it's increasing. And again, when we look at the biology of it, women being attacked by trans women, trans women are biologically male, bigger, stronger, and you're attacking biological women because we're biological women wanting our rights. Amazing, amazing to me that this is happening. and terrifying. At the same time, I hope that everyone pays attention. Again, I am not talking about exclusion of anyone. I'm not talking about bastardizing anyone. I'm talking about the reality of the things that we're facing and that we need to pay attention to the, the dangers that can be out there. I also personally, and this, this gets into some people call it fear mongering. Not, I'm not really trying to create fear. I'm trying to create awareness that this is not just a lobby. Let's include everyone. Let's, let's just, you know, accept everyone that wants to claim that they're identifying as female because there are those that really emotionally do identify as female. And then there is a big door being opened for those that are claiming that. Uh, I've read all kinds of articles that say there's no proof, and yet there is. There have been multiple times when it's been mentioned about males who had committed rape and gone to prison or jail and now are identifying as female and wanting to be allowed in women's prisons because of it. In Idaho, we have Adri Edmo. Uh, Edmo is serving a 10-year prison sentence for sexually abusing a 15-year-old boy when she, he, was 22. She's scheduled for release in 2021 and is not eligible for parole. She has asked for the state of Idaho to pay for her sex transition. I don't think that's fair. Yeah, yeah they had to put up some medical... Uh, reasoning for this, but why are my tax dollars paying for the transition of this transgender who is a sexual predator? I That I, is, again, unconscionable to me. And these are some of the things that we're running up against. And it's not, this is in my state of Idaho, but it's not the only time and the only instance. Again, 
do a search. You'll find tons of this information out there. So with that, back to what I was going to talk about. And this one is a little bit touchy. So I uh, was friends, was friends. Uh, she ended the relationship because of my views um, with an intersex person. So she has an extra chromosome. I believe she's XXY, still has the Y, according to her own words, has both female and male fully functioning parts. So in her instance, she can both be impregnated and can impregnate, has a fully functioning penis, has a womb, ovaries, has menses, has given birth to four different children. Now, the fourth ch child that she gave birth to was actually the result of being raped by someone claiming to be a transgender. So a biological male with all his parts intact raped her under the guise of being a transgender, identifying as female, and impregnated her. She carried the baby to term and then gave it up for adoption. So when people are saying these things are inflated and unfounded, I am finding all kinds of instances, and you can too, where it is founded. Again, this should not be a reflection on all transgender, but it does open a door and it does open a concern. And I think that we need to look heavily at how we're going to deal with these concerns and women's rights and people with male body parts being allowed into rape shelters and children who are at risk being in those shelters. I agree with the fact that they shouldn't be. Maybe there's a separate shelter that needs to be made. Maybe that's the reasoning. But saying I identify as a female, I should be allowed, is not sound reasoning. I also just recently spoke with an insurance uh, adjuster who actually works with the state and said, brought up something that I hadn't even thought about. That, you know, so what's happening in Idaho is as it currently stands, July 3rd, I believe it was, Idaho passed a temporary law that says that you can now go in and say that you're transgender and have your sex changed on your birth certificate. You can have your name changed on your birth certificate. My understanding is that this is all being done with no medical documentation, with no psych eval, with no anything that says that this is real. A person can just go in and say, I want to change my sex on my birth certificate. I want to change my name on my birth certificate. And on the end of that, it's happening without the designation of the birth certificate being altered. So where this ends up with insurance is now there have already been some instances to my understanding where medical claims have been being processed for someone that would be impossible. So in this instance, say, and this, this is the instance that was brought up to me that someone says they had a hysterectomy and their birth certificate says they're female and their birth certificate doesn't note that there's been a change. And so the insurance company has to honor that payment which is fraud for someone who's biologically a male has no womb and no ovaries and doesn't need a hysterectomy. That goes way deeper. I'm sure that you can think it through and think it out. There are a ton of concerns, but above all of it, just the rights of women and our stance in community as a whole, sports or not, we're being marginalized again. And I would encourage you to stand up. It was terrifying all night last night and all morning this morning for me to even think about getting on here and talking about these because I've already faced some backlash within my own community for having my views, for standing up for this stance. But again, when I look at my children and my grandchildren, I can't not speak up because what I see coming terrifies me terrifies me more than getting on here and talking about a really polarizing subject. So 
I'll drop as many links as I can, do some research, make up your own mind, speak up, please. Women, men who support us, we need you. This is not about excluding transgenders. It's about finding a better way to include them that doesn't marginalize women and take away women's rights. Ooh, thank you all for being with me on this really heavy, heavy topic. And I hope that it gets you thinking. And we'll be back next week with yet another topic. Thanks for spending your time with me today. And have a blessed day. Hey, Tribe. Thanks for spending some of your time with me today. If you love this podcast, Please like, subscribe, and rate the Talkitation channel. If you loved this episode, please share it with your friends. You can even take a screenshot and share it to your social media. The more humans who hear these episodes, the more impact we can make for the positive in the world. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook at Nisha Fayant. And you can find me on Instagram at Coach Misha Fayant. On Instagram, you'll find the links to my website and current offerings in the bio. I'm really excited today to announce that I am now offering women's group coaching, The Unchained Life. It allows you to access my coaching and guidance at a fraction of the one-to-one price, as well as being able to benefit from the coaching nuggets given to other women in the group on the group coaching calls. You'll also benefit from the tribe mentality and the support of other women within the coaching group. For more info, contact me at info at Have a blessed day. You've got this.